Welcome to the Wake Forest University Department of Counseling podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, and with me is my wonderful co-host, Dr. Shannon Warden. Shannon, right, Bob. How are you doing? I'm excited. This is a treat. You it know? is. Uh, Rob Cazares gets us together. He's uh, Dr. Rob Cazares. Um, Got to give that person his due. And, you know, Rob's producing and, and putting these together. So, you know, when I find out we're going to spend these times doing some podcasts, I get excited. You know, it's not like drudgery. This is happy times. No. <laughs> so today, we're, in these, uh, this episode, we're going to get to talk with Dr. Dave Johnson. Dave, are you Dave or David? Are you okay with Dave? How do you feel about I'm, that? I, I'm good with Dave if you don't use my last name. Okay. So, so, so good with Dave if I don't. So just Dave or Dr. David Johnson. There you go. The more formal is let's go all the way. Dr. David yeah, Johnson. Yeah. All right, Dave. Either we're hanging out. <laughs> our buddy. Our buddy. We're hanging out, and I'm Dave, or right. it's formal, and I'm David All right. Johnson. Yeah. We're I, I love it, and you know, we know already that he's come to share research today that he's been working on in areas of, of interest of his. And mm-hmm. Bob said, so "What's not to get excited about?" Absolutely. You know, yeah. here we are. We got yeah, we've got good. we've got a good one coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, you've got he's got papers in front of us, so I'm I'm already asking him <laughs> questions. Tell, tell to us about your this latest research. Okay. Well, I, I want to maybe take, take just a step back from it to really kind of frame this and um, okay. start with uh, kind of two questions that I think really guide my research and, and how I like to think about it and talk about it. And the first question is, you know, um, what are the characteristics of a good counselor? And I pose mm-hmm. that question to, to the two of you. When, you. when you think of a good counselor, what's a good counselor? Mm. Ooh, he's oh, engaging. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he just flipped. He just flipped the podcast room right. on us, Bob. <laughs> Students, be ready. There's this flipped uh, technique. Doctor uh, Johnson, Dave, our Dave. He just caught. You know, it's flipping in us. So, good counselor, Bob. Yeah. What, what is a good counselor? Um, well, immediately I th- start thinking about someone that has um, a- ability to be present, to develop rapport and connection with the client in such a way where they feel heard and listened to, where they are at a comfortable space and place to be able to mm-hmm. talk about what they need to talk about. Uh, that develops some sense of, of movement, of purpose uh, for the counseling, the therapeutic uh, session. Someone that comes in with a degree of competency mm-hmm. in their field and has a, a level of knowledge, but yet uh, I always appreciate a good counselor being someone that can walk alongside mm-hmm. a client. And I think you'd said earlier too, I think that uh, one of our goals is to work ourselves out of a job, yes. is to help empower the clients right. in such a way that they become skillful in their own growth and change. Right. Where it's not the counselor's agenda, but the client's exactly. agenda, yes. I think is, is really yeah. what separates um, professional counselor from just someone who's helpful, mm-hmm. you know, someone mm-hmm. who's a listener yeah. is, you know, with the structure, with the training. Yes. But also that this is, it's not my agenda. Yes. I, I can trust yeah. that, yeah. that you're capable yourself client. Mm-hmm. And I get this great privilege of being with you in this process and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, together, let's see what change is possible. So I like that sure. collaborative piece, yes. and I like the authenticity mm-hmm. of that sort of relationship and Being the non-agenda. And genuine, yes. I think we probably yeah. just wrote at least a page, I you think and I. So. I How think about that? Did, did we do okay? We did okay? I think that's great. But let me add one little caveat to Please. that. I think we're going to get to everything you just see, mentioned. See, this is the man who's writing on it. I know it. Go know ahead, it. Dave. Come on. Let's put it this way, and then we're going to get to where y'all just were. But okay. I like to think about this way. I think a good counselor is a counselor who has clients that get better. 
Oh, mm. simple. He went simple. He went simple. And, and, it. and you we can, overachieved. We overachieved. That's you right. can, <laughs> you 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 can, you can look at that in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, what does it mean to get better? Lots of ways that we can talk about that. Um, lots of ways clients think about that. But at the end of the day, um, we're. Ideally, that's what we're that's here to do, is, is to help. Yeah, and so right. a good counselor is someone who helps their clients get better. Mm. Now, now we can talk about, you know, what helps clients get better. Yeah. And I think yeah. a big portion of it, and our research continues to show this, is that the largest portion of what accounts for a client getting better, the largest portion is these unexplained things that happens that we really have no control over. A good portion is what is the client bringing to the table? A lot of it in terms of where are they in terms of understanding what and how to change. Mm. Um, part of it is going to be some external factors in their world that they may or may not have control over. But a big portion of it is what does that counselor bring? And a lot of it gets captured within the idea of the quality of the therapeutic relationship. Mm. And that consists of, I'd say, I can't think of much that y'all left out in talking about a good counselor mm -hmm. that doesn't go in there. Mm -hmm. Some of the more recent research on those qualities, those thera th those characteristics of counselors that account for clients getting better, it it's becoming to look like some counselors are a lot better at doing that than other counselors. And it's those counselors who consistently form strong therapeutic relationships, who are consistently empathic and in tune, that consistently notice when there are ruptures between them and their client, can consistently be flexible to really match where their client needs and be with them. It's the counselors that consistently do that who have clients that get better. The counselors that they're good at doing it. They can do that with some. They can't quite get to that place with some others. In general, their clients may not get as much benefit from counseling. And I think if we try to apply that and think about all those things we just discussed with a good counselor, mm -hmm. flexible, adaptable, they can really hone in and figure out what do I need to do for this individual to help them with this issue in a way that they understand it can be beneficial to them. A lot of flexibility, a lot of adaptability, but holding that relationship. Consistently, too. I Consistently. Really, I locked in on that word. Yeah. That so, would separate the one from the other. Yeah. Okay. And, it, and it seems the the counselor who is pretty good at forming good relationships, they have a strong relationship with client A. And this other counselor who's consistently strong in forming relationships, they've got a strong relationship with their counsel, with their client. Mm -hmm. It's still that client who's working with that counselor who's consistent tends to get a little bit better. They're more likely to get better. That's interesting. Yeah. And so that yeah. leads to another question. Mm -hmm. What are those characteristics that differentiate those counselors who consistently form mm -hmm. strong therapeutic relationships and those who are pretty good? And unfortunately, we do know from the research, those who really don't. Um, so what are those characteristics? And I guess part two to question two, what do we do to foster those characteristics in our trainees? Mm -hmm. mm. So, um, thank you for not flipping that one on us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I like that question. Yeah. So it's, um, 
it's led in the in a, a lot of people to try to look at you know what are these differences between you know the the counselors that are really consistent and ones that are pretty good and what can we do with them to get them really where they are those consistent rock stars of the counseling world mm. and there's some things we can do for those that just aren't quite able to do it and help catch them up so that they are being more effective in helping mm. their clients well, one concept that's been thrown out there that could differentiate these super counselors from the good counselors from the need some work counselors is this concept of mindfulness. And mindfulness has um, you know, really been having a heyday in the last few decades mm-hmm. within um, the medical profession, within the helping professions, within a lot of the social sciences. And, um you know, most of us, I think, if you're listening to this podcast somewhere, you've run across the term mindfulness. You've heard about mindfulness. Um, you may have an app on your phone that helps you with mindfulness. Um, Wait a minute, I gotta check mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, you know, this is this is a concept that's that's really gotten a lot of attention, and um, a, a lot of it's been more directed towards how can we use mindfulness to help our clients. And there's definitely been some progress in that area with the development of, let's say, like acceptance and commitment therapy or mindfulness-based stress reduction. But uh, there's also been individuals um, who've kind of thought about a lot of these benefits that we know that go along with mindfulness, like being able to regulate your affect, being able to kind of pause before having an internal reaction, to kind of be aware of what you're aware of and have those kind of metacognitive perspectives Mm -hmm. on what's happening, um, are a lot of things that we try to get our supervisees to do. Mm -hmm. I think when I'm working with a practicum student, a lot of times I tell them, okay, here's your job this week. Sit in the session and listen to your client and get that little voice that says, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ruin this. Get that voice to be quiet. And when you notice that voice getting loud, pay attention to your client. A lot of that is what we're talking about. And there's some similarities to what we're talking about when we talk about mindfulness. And um, in, in most of the ways that mindfulness has kind of come to um, – counseling is coming out of kind of some Buddhist traditions. Um, although you, you see these same concepts represented in, across spiritual traditions and mm-hmm. across different uh, philosophical traditions, but a lot of it um, is kind of directly comes to our field is, is out of is ideas around Buddhism. And we see um, it, in Buddhist practices, when they talked about mindfulness, mindfulness is part of the Eightfold Path, which is a set of practices that was supposed to help you um, develop a, a, a way to cope with the suffering that was inevitable to life. And when they talk about mindfulness, um, they're talking about a way of paying attention to the present moment, being aware of the present moment, kind of a statement about right having right mindfulness is the idea that if you're aware of what's going on right now, as opposed to being preoccupied with memories of the past or being preoccupied with worries about the future, then you're in a position to avoid past mistakes because you're not because you're aware of what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And then in a better position to work towards future goals. Whereas if you're preoccupied with the future, you're preoccupied with the past, you're not really paying attention to what's going on now. And so the choices that you make about now may not really be about what's happening right now. Mm. Um, coupled with that, within um, 
the, the Eightfold Path was this idea of the right concentration. So really being able to direct your attention to where it needed to be at a single at a, at a point in time. So if I really need to pay attention to something to be aware of what's going on right now, I need to be able to put my mind there and pay attention to it. Mm. It was also coupled with this idea of right effort. And essentially that can be translated into the idea of I'm going to engage in some intentional deliberate practices to try to foster these abilities. Um, I think today we call those mindfulness practices or types of meditation. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of historical context for some of this. We're going to, really we're going to touch back mm-hmm. yeah. some of these mm-hmm. ideas. That's kind of the, the, at the foundation of yeah. some of your work. And yeah. I got to say, Bob, I got to mm-hmm. break in on, on you, Dave. I'm thinking, you know, there are probably some student, potential students who are listening to this and they're thinking, ooh, what if I can't pay attention? Or, But what mm-hmm. I hope they're hearing, because there, there is that normal anxiety. In fact, I, I hope that, mm-hmm. I hope both. We, we know we're talking to, a, a, you know, a spectrum of, of listeners here. Yes. But I hope that um, folks are hearing, ah, I, he's right. I'm not focused all the time. And if I could, and I think we're going to get deeper into this, if I could practice or understand mindfulness more, I could focus better and it would help reduce the anxiety. And I would be that counselor, that, that super counselor, I believe you said. Yeah. You know, or, or at least the good, the good super. Better than you were yesterday. Better I than you were yesterday. If we strive for that, that would be a good place to start. I'm digging that. That better mm-hmm. than I was yesterday because that's really kind of where Dave started, Bob. Mm-hmm. He said, what's well, a good counselor? It's one that helps people get better. Yes. And so it's kind of a parallel there. That's how I'm tracking it. How about you? Yeah, yeah. You're on yeah. that? I, I am. I am. It's, it's, it's a place to begin. And I think about our our uh, potential students that might mm-hmm. be interested in our Masters of Counseling, Masters in School Counseling, even online we've got those, as well as our Human Services uh, master's program as well. Start thinking about as we enter into this field, you know, where, where is mindfulness in this? So, uh, like Dave said, you know, folks have heard about that, mm-hmm. but how does that really impact who we are and what we do and how we yeah. can, it will help, pro- help us progress in our growth as counselors. And that's what's fascinating to me. It with is. This, yeah. I hope folks are here. And how can I raise my game? Yeah. Like Dave, you yeah. saying get better. And how can I be better tomorrow, today, you, tomorrow? You can, you can learn that. Right. Yeah, versus this nebulous yeah. or kind of this oh, ambiguous, yeah. I don't know. I just want to help people. Well, how are you going to help people? Yeah. You know, not being focused isn't going to help. So um, I'm, I would love it. to hear listener feedback on this, like what Wouldn't they're thinking good? as they're, you know, listening to this. Are they are they encouraged, which I hope they are. Yes. Dave, I think mm-hmm. I think that's the heart behind this research is, hey, this is not just an academic practice. We really want you to get better, and we believe you want to get better. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um this, for me, feels purposeful. It does. So let's, All right, let's, let's, let's take that purposefulness and tweak it up just a little bit. Oh. Okay. Because when we talk about this idea of mindfulness as it comes into how we think about it now, within a context of counseling, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about a way that you pay attention. It's a mode of paying attention to present moment experiences while adopting a non-judgmental stance mm-hmm. towards those experiences. To what extent am I aware of what is happening? And to what extent can I just be okay with what it is? Non-evaluative, non-judgmental, and just notice. And it's back to that idea. If I can be aware of the present and not be overwhelmed by it, not be scared by it, not run it through a filter of past beliefs or future expectations, I'm in a better place to know what is. And then I'm in a better place to make informed decisions about what to do with what is. We run into a little bit of a hiccup there when we start putting this into application for counselor ed, though. 
and, and particularly to a lot of the research. And this is kind of a question a lot of my research has tried to look at. When we talk about mindfulness in this way, we're talking about attention. And attention is something that is highly contextual and discreet in terms of time. I am paying attention to Shannon right now as I'm looking and speaking to her, which means I'm not paying attention to Bob. Mm-hmm. Except now until I turn and I am, and now I'm not paying attention to Shannon. So being mindful is going to be similar in the fact that at some point you're going to start being mindful, and at some point you're not going to be. And if we're talking about being mindful, we've got to think about it, conceptualize it, and measure it that way. And I'll go one further. When we think about our counseling students, we can have them do a mindfulness practice, We can even assess and have them fill out self-reports about, in general, do they tend to be more mindful as a function of having done these interventions? Mm -hmm. And that's great information, and it looks like they do. But here's what that doesn't tell us. If you, in general, tend to be mindful in your everyday life, is that really telling us what you're doing with your client? Mm -hmm. Because it's great to know that you're mindful when you're folding laundry or playing with the dog Taking a or walk. reading your email, mm-hmm. taking a walk. Right. Bob, you're the best mindful yeah. walker, by the way. He really is, Dave. I don't know if you've <laughs> well, seen I mean, it. I've got some good news from you from my current research about that. Come well, I love it. So, love it. Love it. So <laughs> we have to also look at this, especially for our counseling students. To what extent is that general tendency translating into, to what extent was I mindful with my client last Thursday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Mm. And so we have to think about this distinction that comes up a lot in our research of making this dis- distinction between dispositional characteristics. In general, I tend to do this, but more state-specific. I was doing this at this time in this situation because mm. my thought is I think it's great if all of our counselors could be mindful. But if I had to choose when, I'd prefer that they be mindful while they're with their clients. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a big question I wanted to look at um, that started kind of my research into this was, you know, to, okay, can, to what extent is being mindful with the client related to the therapeutic relationship? And can we tease this out from your general tendencies? Um, short answer was yes, we could. <laughs> and when we accounted for, um, uh, um, we did this study with 200 uh, practicum and internship students um, who, who were currently working with adult clients in clinical mental health counseling. And what we found is once we account for their general tendency to be mindful, for their general tendency to be empathic, and we really looked at is there still something more about being mindful with the client in a specific session and the strength of the therapeutic relationship during that session. And what we found is there was a pretty moderate relationship, even when we accounted for all those other characteristics. Mm-hmm. So here's what this implication is for counselors who are training future counselors. And I would even say counselors in training that are trying to think about how to improve their skills. There has to be a degree of intentionality about being mindful with a client. It, it's great to be to want to be mindful i think it's helpful to engage in some mindfulness practices but i think that has to be taken to the next level where we really need to be mindful with the client and the fact that there is this big discrepancy between general tendencies to be mindful and really the extent to which you're mindful with the client we can measure this difference and it's moderate and meaningful and it's big enough it's something we should be thinking about um, 
this article on this is in last April's edition of Journal of Humanistic Counseling, if anyone wants to look it up. April of um, 18. April of 18. Journal of Humanistic Counseling. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, some some of the stuff I'm currently working on are thinking about how do we do that with mm-hmm. our students. Um, I'm working with a colleague back in Texas and um, our department chair here, Nathaniel Ivers, and we've been looking at some different supervision strategies that the three of us have been using with supervisees based on some of this. And, you know, one of them is really helping a, a student develop some intentionality around being mindful, um, recognizing internal and external factors that really either hinder or foster you being mindful with a client in a session. Like maybe you see this client right after or before lunch and you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And, something simple like and, that. And, you know, so that's a distraction to keep you from being mindful. What are you going to try to do to develop that? Mm-hmm. Another one that we talk about is really developing an experiential understanding of what it is to be mindful with the client. Um, you know, I think a lot of times in the way mindfulness is talked about currently kind of in popular culture, it's just this sort of happy-go-lucky, feel-good buzzword. But we're really talking about a specific way of paying attention that is a unique experience that we're trying to achieve within another unique experience of being with a client. And so some of it's developing some of that. And we, um, we're actually working on a manuscript now kind of describing some of those supervision uh, interventions that we're using to help some students um, try to achieve those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we have been able to, to tease those apart. Uh, currently I'm working on a study that's been looking more at um, tr- trying to answer another component of this around the idea of okay, which mindfulness practices tend to make a difference about therapeutic relationship? We, we know the therapeutic relationship, it's, mm-hmm. we talk about it as this one thing, but there's a lot that goes many, into it. Many right? parts and it's pieces very, to very it, yes. complex. For me, as I'm processing this, an ending place for this, this particular talk is how encouraging it might be to students or even current practitioners who are distracted for one reason or the other, maybe for students, just normal anxiety, developmental anxiety, how encouraging it might be for them, Bob, to think, Mm -hmm. listen, that's a thing. My anxiety is a thing, this distraction. These are all valid reasons and and normal. They happen. These are things that Mm -hmm. happen. But a way, I mean, I feel like, Dave, what you're offering up here is you're building on the mindfulness research and offering up to counseling students and even, you know, practitioners Mm -hmm. thereafter. Um, a concrete, practical way of getting focused. And it's, it's also, it's not only of the getting, the process of focusing, but it's even for me, um, I think encouraging to think I can, um, and I want to because of this, all of these multiple factors in relationship building. I want to focus on this. So the more I want to focus, the more I do focus on this, the anxiety hopefully mm-hmm. falls to the wayside, the distractions fall to the wayside because the the focus on the relationship rises, um, which requires the mindfulness. I'm feeling like Mm -hmm. I'm feeling encouraged Mm -hmm. with that. Like it's something I can do versus I don't know what to do. It's something I can do. The awareness of of when and where the focus happens. Like, like, like there's talking about as many practices could help us gain insight and awareness of our own sense self, but being good counselors is focusing in the context of the counseling relationship Mm. during counseling. To realize that, that that's where mindfulness really has some impact. I know, because I I 
really do believe Dave's students come in thinking, I just want to help people. Takeaway. I just want people yeah. to be better. Yeah. yeah. But yes. how do I do that? And it's great to think about, yeah, I can be really mindful when I'm yeah. checking out at sure. the grocery store. Right. Exactly. But that may or may not translate to you being as mm-hmm. effective as you could be with your clients. Right. That's it. And so That's I hope you get in here somewhere in our talk. I know you said, hey, I don't care. I mean, what you, I know what you meant. I don't care if you're mindful outside of the session. How about getting more mindful inside? I'm wondering about wonder about the connection. I bumped my mic. Um, I'm wondering about the connection there of does this person, are they more likely to be more mindful because they're mindful out here? You know, so I'm looking forward to hearing if you've got something on that. Don't answer it yet. We're going to bait listeners back. Uh, Do you like that, Bob? <laughs> surely. Bob, so. we're doing it. We're doing the Department of Counseling. Wake Forest University Department of Counseling podcast. Dave, we're always loving on our programs. We've got the clinical mental oh, yeah. health counseling and the school counseling. We're doing that bricks and mortar style campus mm-hmm. here, and we're also doing it in our online campus. And we invite people who are interested, either uh, right out of college or maybe second, third career folks, who knows, military folks, any who are interested in helping people get better. I like that. Mm-hmm. Dave Johnson, Dr. David Johnson says, helping people get better. Yes. If you're interested in that, give us a look uh, on our website, Wake Forest University. Um, they'll find us if they look, right, Bob? You got it. All right, Bob, for now. Guess what? We've done did it again. again. <laughs> we got to get our verbiage done or did. Is it did, did or done? We did it again or we, we done it again? Done sounds really good. We did it again.